This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... <laughs> you yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM, the fan. We're going to have Doug Norion coming up in about 15 minutes from right now. Who's Doug Nori? He does the Locked on Nets podcast, kind of like Frank Madden does. And Kane Pittman do with Locked On Bucks. He does it with the Locked On Nets podcast. So stay tuned. We'll get the Nets side of things with Doug Norrie coming up uh, in about 15 minutes. Now, uh, before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, last night's basketball game. And I want, if you were at the game or if you were in the Deer District, I would like to hear from you because I have a question. Sam, did you, Sam Schmitz is in for Dan Plucker today. Uh, did you go down to the Deer District or were you in that area? I was not yesterday just because of the weather. I thought it was going to be bad, but it right. turns out it didn't. But I also just wanted to watch the Brewer game too and all that. So I'll be going on Saturday though. That's for sure. I'll be down there. You're down there Saturday night. Absolutely. Okay. Um, by the way, Saturday night, speaking of which, thank you for reminding me. Uh, we will not have a Milwaukee baseball postgame show on Saturday night with Tim Allen. Instead, we will have a Milwaukee basketball postgame show after the Bucks game on Saturday night with Tim Allen here on the fan Saturday night. So that Bucks nets game gets done, game seven. You flip it over here to 1250 a.m. The fan, Tim Allen will be here taking your calls, your tweets, the whole deal. Evan Heffelfinger will be in here. If you follow Evan on Twitter, you know he's a big-time, huge, passionate Bucks fan. So he'll be a part of that show with uh, the franchise, Tim Allen. Uh, so, yeah. So once Game 7 is done, special edition, Milwaukee basketball post-game show here on The Fan coming up on Saturday night after Bucks and Nets. A lot of you have been clamoring on Twitter. Can we please have a post-game show? You got your wish. You get a post-game show coming up tomorrow night after Bucks nets the reason I asked Sam if, if he was at the game or if he was down in the Deer District was I would like somebody to explain to me who were the people chanting down Giannis at the free throw line? Who were they? How many of them were they? And why couldn't our crowd drown them out at some point? Like, I, I don't understand. We're at home on national TV. And I hear people counting down Giannis at the free throw line. One, two, three, four. They got all the way to 13. And then Harden's throwing up his hands. What more do you want? They just counted him down. He's clearly over 10. Blow your whistle. They didn't blow the whistle. I saw Steve Javi a few days ago, former NBA official. Probably the official that I hated the most as a Bucs fan was Steve Javi. Uh, but either way, so now he's on. he's an analyst. And Javi said that he would never blow a whistle prior to 12 or 13 seconds. Most of the time, he'd give him at least 12 or 13 seconds of the free throw line before he would blow the whistle. Because again, you're having to, I believe, like essentially almost count in your head at this point as far as 
how long you get at the free throw line. Can somebody please tell me who these people were that were in there and how many there were? Because I'll be honest, on TV, it sounded like there were a good 50 or 60 of them, all chanting in unison together as this whole thing went down. If you were there or if you were in the Deer District and saw this huge group of people going in and would like to know more information, please, 414-799-1250, I will say that back when Andrew Bogut was here and they started Squad 6, Sam Schmitz, are you old enough to remember Squad 6? Yeah, I'm not that I'm not that young. Okay, well, I, I, I don't know. All right, so he remembers Squad 6. So they do Squad 6. They give essentially 100 tickets. Uh, to 100 people. I don't even know if we even had 100 people that first year. Ah, maybe we did. Ah, maybe it was 50, whatever. And they would be at games chanting nonstop and so forth. And then the name of the group changes year to year depending on what player was on the team and so forth. Outside of that, maybe there was a game in Indiana where Aforementioned Squad 6 all decided to drive down to Indianapolis to take on uh, the Bucks taking on the Pacers because at that point, Roy Hibbert had his own little fan squad that they had going down in uh, Indianapolis. And I believe some of Squad 6 decided to get in their cars and go to Indianapolis to try and buy a section of seats together to try and rival Roy Hibbert's uh, squad of fans for the Indiana Pacers, the former center. Outside of that, I don't ever remember watching a Bucks playoff game and hearing fans of our team chanting over or louder by themselves and taunting the opposing player in a game, regular season or playoff. Maybe y'all can remember a situation where this happened. I don't remember a situation. I don't remember a group of fans going to Toronto and going after Kawhi. I don't remember a group of fans going to Chicago and going after Michael Jordan. I don't remember a group of fans going to Chicago and going after D. Rose. Or Minnesota and KG, pick, whoever. I don't ever remember our fan base ever doing what they did to us last night. Absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Complete embarrassment. You imagine what Giannis is thinking? Gets to the line, home gym, here we go, and all of a sudden there's a group of fans chanting this dude down at the free throw line. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. So if you were there, I, I would like to know more. How many were there? Where were they? Were they in the upper deck? Were they more in the lower level? Because I don't believe, unless I missed it, Sam, I don't believe they ever showed a group of Nets fans ever at any point on ESPN. Before yesterday's game? During yesterday's game. Well, they showed them the first couple of times uh, Giannis was attempting a free throw. That was like when James Harden threw his hands up and all that. So they did. So that I missed they did. it then. Yeah, for, but it was. I think they only showed him like once or twice. Yeah, I. Yeah. okay. So then maybe I missed I was dealing with my five-year-old maybe. But I didn't see it. So how many of them were there? Travis, Northside, you're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. Hey, Sparky, what's happening, man? What's up, man? Hey, I had to call just to let you know about this. Um, I listened to the Bob Bryan show in the morning, and their producer, Eric Jensen, he's the game announcer at the uh, Bucks. Yeah, he's a PA Fiverr. announcer. Right. Yeah, and uh, he said that there was about 30 of them. He was talking about it during their sports segment this morning. There was about 30 of them sitting right behind where he was at, and they were the ones doing it. But, you know, Giannis can stop this. He can, You know, if he wants to stop people from counting, he just, you know, speed it up a little bit, man, just – you know, three, four seconds and, and get it off. So, yeah, but the problem is three or four seconds could screw up everything and he may never hit another shot. Well, man, he, it ain't like he's hitting 70% in the playoffs and he's taking all day to do it, so maybe it'll help him a little bit. I don't know. I don't know either, but it's something that in the offseason they're going to have to figure out because he was yeah, shooting 70% in, like, March and April. Like, he was knocking them down. Like, no problem in the, in the second half of the year and then gets the, the whistle blown on him in the playoffs for this 10-second rule. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he got all screwed up because then he started thinking about it. And I, I don't know, again, you know, if you're the Nets, do you take the tape of that game where, the, where their fans, again, stupid, chanting him down to 13, do you put send that into the NBA and go, hey, yo, game seven, I better not catch this again. They clearly counted to 13. They weren't going fast. You still didn't blow the whistle. Like, I want that to be paid attention to. And will the NBA do it? 
Well, see, I think one of the reasons they're letting it go is because the rule also is lane violations, man. You cannot step into that lane until right. the ball hits the rim. Yep. But how many times do you see players jumping up into that lane before? So really it's like, okay, if you're going to call it on everything, you know, call it on lane violations. And I think that's where they're just kind of letting it go where it's like, you know, they've called it twice in these playoffs, once against Miami and once against Brooklyn. But at the end of the day, I'm hoping this is game seven. They didn't do it in game six. They ain't going to do it in game seven because exactly what you said. You haven't called it all season long. Why are you calling it now? Don't right. do that. That's just that's bogus. And see, and that, and that, and to me, that's the biggest thing. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Travis. Let's go to Mike at Heartland. You're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's going on? Yeah, just to call and do, uh, you guys are talking about these counting down these things. It was, uh, they were like extra right behind the Nets bench. Probably like 20, 25 of them. Looked like they were maybe even family. So they were in the lower section. Yes. That's kind of like the Nets bench. Right. So this was like Nets family members or something. It it looked like it because they were all kind of dressed in New Jersey stuff and that, you know, jerseys and stuff and hats and that. So. Man. All right. Thanks for the call. So. Can our announcer then, Joe Brown, right? Can, Can our announcer then essentially. Do, I, mean, I guess you can't do anything because you're not allowed on the microphone when he's at the free throw line. Joe can't hop on the mic to try and figure out how to drown him out. I don't know if you do it in the next time out to the crowd. Like, hey, look, man, all these Nets fans want to count every time you ask the line. When he, when they start counting, we start yelling. You got it? You know, something like that to be like, dude, yes, I got you. Like, I saw what happened. We won't allow it to happen again. Um, and then you put the thing up on the thing, get loud, whatever, every time they start doing it, and drown these fools out. Like, it's just that should not happen. I'm sorry, not at home, that should not happen. I'm surprised they didn't come up with, like, you know, a clever chant, you know, or even just something simple like, you know, MVP for Giannis, or just like, you know, doesn't matter. Something, right. I don't know, something like that. I'm surprised they didn't come up with anything throughout the game. Yeah, and that, that's exactly right. And, and see, for me, that's the other part of this, too, is it, what Travis said, like, Dude, why can't you shoot a free throw quicker? Like, what is your problem? Like, just get up there, bounce a basketball, and shoot. But guys, we've watched him for all of these years struggle with this aspect of it, right? So now he finally gets into a rhythm that they figured out. I don't know if it was him, one of the coaches, whatever. They get in this rhythm to shoot the basketball. He's been doing it now the whole second half of the year, and now they want to change it up. Well, they want to change it up because they don't want him to do what he's doing and be well or be good about it. Skip Bayless, I know y'all don't like Skip. Skip Bayless pointed out something on Twitter last night during the game. Like, why does the referee hold the ball and let him go through his whole routine before giving him the ball? Why can't the referee just get the ball and give it to him? Like, dude, shoot. Like, do they give this this freedom to every player? So could Chris Middleton go up there and be like, nope, not ready. No, still not ready. Hold on. Thinking about what I'm gonna make for dinner tonight. Hold on. All right, I'm good. Give me the ball. Can you can you do that for? Can every player essentially delay him getting himself getting the ball to shoot free throws? I know they. I know Jamal Murray does something very similar before his free throw routines for the Denver Nuggets. Right. But he does it like, and I'm doing. I know I'm doing this on the radio and all that. <laughs> but he does it like one, two, like very quickly. Right. I don't know if the. I've never looked looked at the ref because this isn't really a thing that I look at other than Giannis. But like. I don't know if the ref like holds the ball until Jamal Murray does that, but like at Same least one time I I remember this was it in the playoffs maybe in Miami he got the ball bounced and he bounced it back to the referee yeah like, he's I'm like, not ready yeah I, I need to do my routine it's like yeah, okay couldn't little... the referee be like I don't care shoot the ball they could do that right I mean they could be like time to go we're not gonna be here all night waiting for you to do your routine I mean th- there's 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 portions of this where he's getting kind of lucky. That the referees aren't being jerks about this. Because if the referees wanted to be a jerk about this, this whole thing never would have got to a point where it is now. But because they're willing to play nice with Giannis, might be because he's a superstar. I have no idea. Because they're willing to play nice, they allow him to go through this whole routine. They're even talking on the broadcast. Like it takes forever to get a single free throw attempted by Giannis. It's something in the offseason that's going to have to change. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to, to say it other than he's got to fix figure out a routine in which he's effective, but also goes quicker. So this doesn't become an issue going forward in his career. I want to know, Game 7, are they going to be on him? That's what I want to know. Because if I'm the Nets, if I'm the Nets, I send that tape in and go, 
So is it a 10-second rule or is it a 15-second rule? Like, what is it? Because the rule book that I see says 10. This is clearly 13. They all heard him. Everybody on TV heard it. Everybody in the stadium heard it. And you still didn't blow the whistle. So what really is the rule, NBA? Nobody's really ever challenged it necessarily. In a game seven, and you're Nash and D'Antoni and Harden and Durant and Kyrie, you have to think they're going to blow that whistle most of the time on Giannis the free throw line if he doesn't hurry it up. It's a game seven. It's to advance to the next round of the playoffs to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. If you're the Nets, you do everything in your power to take any advantage you can away from Milwaukee. And that is one aspect of it that they can take away if they want to be jerks about it and really press the issue. Something they can do. Will they or won't they? Will the referees go along with it? Will the NBA go along with it? I don't know. Coming up next, we are going to talk with Doug Norrie. Uh, He is one of the hosts on Locked On Nets podcast. We'll talk to him straight ahead here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM The Fan. Follow us on Twitter on 1250 AM The Fan. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Bucks get a big win last night against the Brooklyn Nets at Fiserv Forum. Now a game seven awaits us in Brooklyn coming up tomorrow night, 730 tip time for that one. And now we're going to get to talk uh, to somebody that uh, talks about the Brooklyn Nets uh, on the other side. Now, on the Bucks side, normally we have Frank Madden uh, and Kane Pittman, uh, our Locked On Bucks podcast guys. So I'm like, well, let's talk about the Locked On Nets podcast. And Doug Norrie uh, joins me now to do just that. Doug, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Kane Pittman's a tough one to, to follow. So, uh, Yes, Kane Pittman is really, really good. Uh, Okay, so let's start here uh, with the Nets. What is the status of Kyrie Irving? Is he going to play? Do do you think there's any chance he's going to play? Where is that at? No, I don't think there's any chance he's going to play. Nets are pretty pretty airtight on injury stuff, and the Harden thing kind of came out of nowhere, but I don't think there's really any. He might have already even been ruled out for the whole series. Uh, There's really there's no expectation that he's going to be back here. release this game and if they uh, if they're able to make it through who even knows but i don't think you're gonna see you're not gonna see Kyrie on the court um barring some kind of miracle i don't think good okay so that's positive for bucks fans okay let's move on to the next point uh james harden uh clearly hurt clearly playing hurt there was one play where he he creates the turnover looks in front there's nobody between him and the rim and decides, I'm not going to run the fast break i'll just wait for everybody to set up in the half court there, there couldn't have been a more a glaring spotlight shined on his injury than that one play. Yeah, that was uh, pretty telling. I will say that was like early enough in the game. Yep. I do think it started. I feel like that that play had happened in the fourth quarter. I think it would have looked a little different. I also don't think it would have looked a hundred percent like James Harden, but it wouldn't have looked like a cripple James Harden, which is what it looked like in the moment. And so, because I think he really was getting looser. So. I'm holding out some hope that that continues on that trajectory into Game Seven, but yeah, clearly when that happened, it was a uh, it was kind of uh oh time for for Nets fans as they just saw that was he was clearly everyone was trying to guess the percentage, but that made it probably look like it was even lower than anyone's you know best hopes for it. Now the first game he couldn't hit a shot to save his life. The second game with Harden, he started hitting shots. I would have to imagine as a Nets fan, that's something you're encouraged by going into Game Seven. Yeah, he was getting no lift at all in the first game back. In, uh, and so when it, he was just not able to generate any power off his legs, it was clear that he had been you know, out for enough period of time that he just didn't have it there. Plus, the, the hamstring was clearly still hurt. That, that lift, that's what I meant about sort of as the game went on and he got uh, probably just looser, that the, the, um, you know, his legs kind of started to get under him a little bit more. I always joke that when you see him start flopping again on threes and you know he's pretty healthy, and that he started doing that a couple times too. So... Um, that kind of felt like he was getting back into his bag, but still, still not there. But the, the change from game six or five to game six was pretty telling. And if you continue on that kind of trajectory, I think there's hope for a much better version of game seven, but that's kind of just hoping. So when y'all got James Harden, you probably had one perception. Then you got James Harden, maybe it changed. Tell me about that perspective that you had before and now. I'm probably in the minority here because I've always actually been a pretty big a hardened sort of apologist slash fan, even when he was playing that different style in Houston. And I'm kind of on record-ish with that take. So for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. I actually knew he had this kind of skill set in him, and they were just asking him to play a very specific way in Houston, which he was also fine with. So 
I think the general Nets fan probably did it with some trep looked at it with some trepidation, but I I just knew that the the Houston thing was so systematic or or systemic or whichever it was so reliant on system that um it was not they weren't kind of exposing the entire breadth of his playmaking, but when you put them with guys like KD and, and Kyrie, um, I was pretty confident that it would actually meld pretty well because he's been able to play with lots of different kinds of players. So for me, I, I was all, I, I was I, I thought just trade everyone to get him because that's just kind of what you do consolidate around guys like these sort of generational stars if you can. Um, I'm not sure every Nets fan saw it the exact same way, but th- I will say it worked out even when he's been on the court. It's worked out even better than I thought it could have <laughs> because they've just been so unstoppable when he's fully healthy. Um, so I will say from that, I, I was encouraged by it, but I still probably didn't think it would get sort of historic levels of offense good, which was where it kind of ended up when they were all healthy. Well, the other part about this is going in when they made that deal, it was, well, there's only one basketball. They're gonna, there's going to be interfighting about, you know, who gets what shots and so forth. And credit to Harden, he was the one that decided that, look, I got this. Like, I, I, I don't need to get all my shots. And if I do get shots, I'll find it within the offense. Kyrie, don't worry about it. I got it. And he, at least outside looking in, became the unselfish one on the floor. Yeah, the thing about the one basketball theory, which I've heard a lot also, is that when it comes down to it, every team only has one basketball also, and so or can only play one basketball also. So at that point, you do just want to have the basketball going between all the best players you can. So, and I get what you're saying, because it's, sort of like, it's sort of just a talking point that became a thing. And I totally agree with you that he always had this facilitation piece in, in his bag, but with the Rockets, it just he just never played with Kevin. Well, I mean, I know he did with OKC, but when he was with the Rockets, he never played with another scorer like Kevin Durant. He never played with a dynamic scorer like Kyrie or a guy like can catch and shoot like Joe Harris. There were just totally different weapons around him. So, in that kind of situation, you can be incentivized to pass you know, quite a bit more frequently because you know the receiving end of that ball is going to much more likely to go in the basket than it was with the guys he was playing with. Some of, some of who he orchestrated in there for Houston, for sure. But in general, he was just playing with such a caliber play, level player higher than he was with Houston that I think for everybody at that point, it kind of makes it easier to pass the ball. Talk with Doug Norrie from the Locked On Nets podcast here on Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan, you brought up Joe Harris. Before this series started, I pointed to Bryn Forbes and Joe Harris and said they may be the X-Factors. You know, the top shooter on each team uh, from, from that perspective may end up being the X factor Forbes had a game here or there where he has hit a couple of threes. Joe Harris is ice cold. I mean, he hit one shot and you're like, Oh, here he goes. And never really got going after that. Is he more of a streaky shooter than I think we as Bucks fans maybe realize? Cause Forbes is really streaky. We knew that, but Forbes, I, I just, I can't believe how bad he is. Yeah. I mean, all three point shooters in, in, in some respect, I think are going to be streaky just because it's sort of a lumpier stat than, than others. I will say Harris is going through Nets fans are having a moment with Harris right now. <laughs> That's not great. So um, my co-host Adam Armbrecht is um, probably one of the few people still like alive on Joe Harris Hill. And I don't know how many other people are with him. And so there's really no way to defend how he's played over the last couple of games. I will say what I would say to most Nets fans and the, the difference with him and Forbes is that Forbes probably isn't as crucial to what they need in scoring in terms of what the Nets really do need from Harris at this point, um, is that there's really no alternative. And so it's really just now you keep playing him in 36 minutes and just hope for this, at least this next game, it just finds its way into the basket at 50% or which is whatever he was shooting. He was the best shooter in the league this year, right? So it's like, it's not like he's, a, he's a great shooter. It just hasn't happened in some pretty critical moments here and I think that's what has Nets fans frustrated but there really is no functional alternative there's no there's no one coming in that you can say you would feel better about and it's actually brutal for Harris at the end of or excuse me at the end of the first quarter in the game yesterday he actually hit a three but it was right after time expired it was kind of like it kind of summed up his whole series because he finally knocks one down looking like he could probably right. carry it over with some with some confidence and they waved it off because it was a half a second late on the on the horn so yep. um in, in general, I, I'm still a believer, very much a believer in Joe Harris. I still believe he needs to get out there and play max minutes. It's just been frustrating to watch because he really, from a, from a results standpoint, it's been very hard to defend sort of what's happened for him in this series. From a Bucks fan perspective, uh, we've seen numerous games in this series. Uh, the Bucks play in a way which we haven't seen them play most of the year, and that is going to a lot of isolation ball. They stop passing. Uh, it looked more, more and more like what happened to, uh, against the Heat in the bubble last year. 
uh, when they get in crunch time. It, it looks like maybe they panic a little bit. I'm not quite sure what happens, uh, but but they can't play that way in order to win. So it's been kind of uh, different than what we've seen during the regular season. From your perspective on the Nets, have, have they gone into doing things that they didn't do during the regular season maybe in their losses? You mean on the, from the offensive perspective? Yeah, from a strategical team? standpoint and, and how they play. Yeah, so they definitely have had to change because they don't have the sort of personnel that they've been wanting to use at, at, at their peak, uh, at their key talent. Like losing Kyrie changes the way you play. Having a 60% Harden has to change the way you play. It's, it's, it's for sure changed the way they've played. I mean, they have to go Kevin Durant, ISO. I mean, that's basically all. That was the entire game plan last game. I, I don't there weren't a lot of other alternatives. Like they can sag off pretty much all the other guys and, um, and they're just confident enough in Tucker's, they're confident enough in Tucker's one-on-one defense, I think to at least speed bump KD enough, or just say, Hey, you can get your 30 shots and everyone else is going to get, you know, contested threes or whatever. So it's definitely stylistically changed. This is one of the, when they, when this team is on the Nets, they're really one of the best ball movement teams you'll ever see. It's, it looks like actually the ball moves so fast that, there's the defense is hopeless and that had to change because you know the drop off from losing a Kyrie and then not having to play hard in the same exact way defensively just means that you can jump lanes easier means you can actually create less space less space defensively which the Bucks are really really good at doing because of their length so um yeah they've had to change I again it's one of these things well I just don't know what the the solution is except to get some of these guys just a little healthier because in the end, it's not like you can you can create better ball movement, but when you have a team that's defensively sound like the Bucks, it's just going to be hard where every inch counts. So yeah, they definitely changed, not exactly for the better, but it's mostly just out of necessity. So tell me this: going into tomorrow night's game, what are you expecting to see? Well, okay, I, I I'm expecting to see a game. I think I'm expecting to see a game much more like game uh, five where the Nets fans probably contribute a lot to the energy level, which they're really going to need. I think we saw that with the Bucks, uh, clearly buying into where their fans were giving them that lift. Um, I, I hope to see a, a non-sluggish start. The Nets seem, can't seem to get out of their own way with this kind of stuff. So um, expectation-wise, I'm still – I'm just being a realist. I'm still concerned that the team is not 100%, and the Bucks have actually figured out a couple things on both ends of the court that make it they just make everything for the Nets a lot harder so I don't think we're going to see I think it's going to be a close game and I'm cautiously optimistic that the Nets can pull it off because if they're an even match team and the crowd can kind of take over and they can make a few other adjustments but um I'm not as confident as I was after game five I'll tell you that I got one more and that is how much credit are Brooklyn fans giving Nash for coaching this team versus D'Antoni Oh, I don't, that's actually hasn't been a big uh, that hasn't been a big talking point. Um, they have a pretty good staff, and that was that was um, that was brought in to begin with, where they had D'Antoni, obviously, who basically just did them a solid by coming over for the year. I think I think that was sort of a, a nice guy discount that he gave them by coming in and just <laughs> and being a, a sort of a mentor. They also had Jack Vaughn, who coached the team really really well last year, and then they moved him to like a head assistant coach, uh, and they have a few other guys that are that are that are real good in terms of development. So I think Nash has always been. I think it's always been seen this year that it was an understanding that Nash is there and he's the mouthpiece and he's the ultimate decision maker, but it's very much a coaching by team um, or it's a group decision making process. So I don't think D'Antoni gets, I don't think anyone's like not getting the right amount of credit here. I just think it's always been a situation where, Hey, it's a first year head coach. He was a superstar. He's never done this before. Let's surround him with really good, stable guys that can um, offer guidance, and when this, you know, when push comes to shove, he's going to make the final decision. So, um, and there's been there's been definitely some lumps along the way. It all it hasn't all been perfect for him, but by and large, I think that actually the group the group mentality that they have around. I mean, Dan Tony was arguing with the refs last night, but he's yep. part of it. But I don't think there's like there's no there's no power struggle here. I think the understanding is you help coach the offense, I will oversee the whole thing, and um, and that's where we'll go. But there's never been a coaching. There's never been like animosity among the dynamic at all. I don't think. He is Doug Norrigan, Locked On Nets podcast. Uh, make sure to check that out, of course, odyssey.com as well. Doug, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You betcha. Take care. There he is, Doug Norrigan on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. 
Uh, and that is the best place uh, to find him is right there on that Great Midwest Bank hotline. And we start talking about Great Midwest Bank. Applying for a home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious, breathe. Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fancy Sparky Fiverr with you, Sam Schmitz. Doing a great job as executive producer, other side of the glass, Rami Makhlouf and the Rami Show uh, comes up here in about uh, 25 minutes. Rami will probably be here in the next 10 or 12 minutes as we do our crosstalk leading up to his show at three o'clock. Excited to hear what Rami has to say uh, about that game last night between the Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. I'll tell you about my guys over at Young Express. Now, Young Express has been around a long time, right? Time 30 years, over 30 years over Young Express. Companies talk about so much continuing to grow. It's like to be a part of a Christian-based family-run company. How about a company that's been listed on Inc. Magazine as one of America's fastest-growing companies? They currently are looking to add to their sales department. You've heard me talk about what a great company they are to work for. Now go and apply online at youngexpress.com. That's J-U-N-G express.com. Here's what Young Express is looking for. Willing to prospect new business via phone, email, and social selling. Reliable transportation. Outside sales experience in the transportation industry is preferred. Excellent written, oral, and face-to-face communication skills are essential. Closing and follow-up skills are a must. Now, what can you expect? Salary plus commissions, bonuses, and contests. Existing book of business from day one. Expense account with generous mileage reimbursement. Health insurance, 401k with up to 3% company match. And profit sharing. Paid holidays, personal days, and vacation days. Cell phone, tablet, and all sales and promotional materials provided to you by Young Express. Email your resume today to jyoung at youngexpress.com or apply at youngexpress.com. That's J-U-N-G express.com. Young Express success drives them. Just heard Tim Allen there talk about uh, the Brewers uh, coming back tonight to take on the Colorado Rockies. Tim Allen with the night off tonight. So I'll be filling in for Tim Allen tonight uh, as we talk about Brewers and Rockies. And I'm hoping, hoping I can maybe turn around some of this uh, Brewers bad luck or whatever you want to call it uh, coming up tonight. Corbin Burns on the hill, 740 first pitch. And, of course, after the last pitch, he'll make the switch. Pella windows and doors of Wisconsin postgame show driven by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. And this Brewers team definitely struggling hitting the baseball uh, at this point. And look, to to be honest with it, to uh, be honest with you about this whole thing, and I can't believe of all people I'm saying this, but it's a long season, man. I mean, the peaks and valleys of what you go through as a baseball player when you're playing 162 games, you're pretty much playing six of every seven days. There are stretches where you'll play 13 straight days, and then you're getting on airplanes, and you're flying from one city after two days, and then you'll fly another city for three, and then to another city for three. Then you're flying back home for five or six games, and you're back on the road again. It's a long season. You saw this Brewers offense go into a funk earlier in the season. People wanted Danny Haynes fired. They don't know what they're doing. Look at how bad everybody is. Fine. Then they got hot for a couple of weeks, climbed right back up into first place. And then everybody quieted down about Annie Haynes. Everybody quieted down about the offense. Now they're back into a funk again. Started against Cincinnati, losing three, and now they lose last night in Colorado uh, against the Rockies. Now, again, you put yourself in a huge hole last night, giving up five runs. Grand slam right off the bat there in the first inning to C.J. Crowe. I mean, that, that type of stuff just kills morale. But again... Early in the game, you know, you should be able to throw four or five runs up. You would think on a normal day they're able to get three, but uh, your bullpen, Yardley, by the way, done, done with Yardley. We can move on from Yardley. I've seen enough. I saw enough the last time he was on this roster, and I've seen enough again this time with him on this roster. We can move on from him uh, from the bullpen. I've I've seen my field. I do not need to see any more. Uh, let him go play somewhere else if he'd like to. Maybe a change of scenery will help him. I I've had my fill of Yardley. So, Eric Yardley, good luck to you in your future endeavors. It's it's time to move on. So that, that, that's a brief take on that. We haven't been talking a lot about the Brewers on the Wendy's Big Show, so this is my chance to get into a little of my Brewers' opinions, plus talk more about the Brewers coming up tonight. The other part of this, uh, with this Brewers' offense, is, you know, when you put this offense together and you added Colton Wong late, you added Colton Wong late, 
when you add Colton Wong to this offense and then you add Jackie Bradley Jr., there's a couple of things that we have to understand. First of all, both are defensive first players. Neither are going to win a batting title anytime soon. So, yes, you improved your defense. And you improved your defense up the middle. Now, for this Brewers franchise, that's very unusual. I'll be honest. Normally, they get the bats, worry about defense later. That's normally how they draft as well. Draft the bat, worry about what position they'll play later. That's normally how it's been in the last 20 or so years, right? So now you had two goal glovers at second and in center field. And you already had a guy, Lorenzo Cain, who again is aging and having problems staying healthy and so forth. But you you already had a guy out there that was a gold glove caliber center fielder. But you had Bradley Jr. anyhow. Well, Jackie Bradley Jr., if you followed his career when he was with the Boston Red Sox, is hot and cold. Kind of like the Bryn Forbes of hitters, right? So he can get hot and get on a roll for a week or two. Haven't really seen it. But trust me, it, it'll probably happen before now and the end of the year. When? I don't know. But he'll get going. So you have that. And, and when he's not hot, he's stone cold. And when he's stone cold, he becomes just a big gaping hole in your lineup, depending on where you're batting him. Colton Wong, nice hitter. Mm, professional hitter, maybe, if you want to put that term with him, fine. But again, not winning a batting title anytime soon, not hitting 35 homers in a season anytime soon. You brought him in for defense. So you had two defensive-minded players. So you you gave up on the offense from that perspective to add defense. And you got Colton Wong to be your leadoff hitter. So that kind of, you know, took care of two things at once. Shortstop, at the beginning of the season, Marcia, they wanted Urias the whole time. Little did we know they were working on getting another shortstop and Willie Adamas while all this other stuff was going on at the start of the season. So then you move on from Arcia because you want to give Urias a real shot. I don't think there was anything more to it other than that. Urias was part of that trade with San Diego and you wanted to see what you had. The only way I'm going to see what I have if I move on from this player. See Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. So fine. So now Urias gets his shot. I still think Urias can hit. I, I know he hasn't been able to put it together, but I just think at some point in this dude's career, he's going to hit pretty good. I really believe that. It probably won't be in a Brewers uniform, but I really think at some point in his big league career, he's going to hit a lot better than what he's hitting right now. You can kind of see the flashes of him um, hitting. that he, he It's going to come around. He's going to figure it out. Now, again, maybe not this year, next year. Who, who knows how long it'll take him, but eventually he's going to hit. So then you uh, have the opportunity to get the guy you wanted, apparently, as the story goes after the fact, in Willie Adamas. You look at Willie Adamas' numbers and you're like, well, good. Another defensive player with no bat. But then you look at the home road splits and the guy was hitting almost 300 on the road. Okay, fine. So there's the silver lining. Maybe, just maybe, he just can't hit a trap at the, at the trap down in Tampa. Maybe, the, maybe that's all this was. Maybe it was nothing else. So you get Willie Thomas, and by golly, maybe that's what it was. Because he's been hitting fairly well since he got here. Not only has he been hitting fairly well, but he's also been a huge addition, I think, to that clubhouse with his energy, which can become you know, infectious. And, and that helps, too. That that all helps. They got on a roll after they got Willie Adamas. Now, since he's been on the big show, maybe he hasn't been on as much of a roll, and that's probably our fault for jinxing him. But either way. So you add that bat, kind of. You never had a bat at third base to, beginning, to begin the season. You crossed your fingers on Travis Shaw, and it looked good for the first week or so. Uh, and then it went downhill, and he's back to looking how he did the last time. So as I've stated before, they can move on from Travis Shaw, too. Because that one is another one that I, I think you're done from. Now, he unfortunately gets hurt in a horrible injury diving for a ball at third base. Um, so he's technically still a brewer, but he's done. So now you have a gaping hole at third base, and you're having to play guys like Pablo Reyes and Daniel Robertson and this stuff that you have. It's not good enough. It's just not. That Chicago Cubs team, say what you want. Talented bunch of dudes. Talented bunch of dudes. You, you don't got the Pablo Reyes and Daniel Robertsons of the world scattered all over their roster playing every day. You just don't. You've got, you know, guys that have played at this level for a while 
that maybe haven't been lived up to expectations the last couple of years, but seemingly now with Bryant and Rizzo, they're both starting to live up to that expectation. Again, free agent years, call it coincidence, call it par of the course when it comes to Major League Baseball, players in their contract years. You're going to need more offense. First base was supposed to be Keston Hero. That was a complete failure. Now, they send him down to AAA once, he hits well. About a week later, they bring him back up, he stinks. Now they send him back down, guess who's hitting the cover off the ball again? Keston Hero. But, Greg Council said the last time, he's going to stay down there longer this time. Like, last time we thought you had him fixed, we brought him back up, same old, same old. This time, he's going to stay down there longer than maybe what he did the first time. Now, what allows you to do that, even more so, is the fact that Vogelbach uh, has been swinging a hot bat and playing really well in, in, in hitting the long ball. At the end of the day, maybe I'm wrong, you're not winning a ring if Vogelbach and Robertson or Reyes or whoever is at first and third. It's not happening, folks. It's just not happening. So they're going to have to be aggressive and try to add a player. And not just, uh, well, I hope we catch lightning in a bottle with this guy and change the scenery helps them. No. They need to go add a legitimate player. A guy that's getting good already this season. That's playing well. That has a track record of playing well. And if that means you got to give up prospects, then you got to have to give up prospects. It is what it is. But if you're going to try and win a World Series this year, and you have every opportunity, with as good as Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta have been, you have every opportunity to do some damage in the NL playoffs. And you know you're a hitter or two away. Just have got to be aggressive in the next month and find that hitter. All right, we'll cross talk with Robbie Makaloff coming up next. The Rami Show comes up at 3 o'clock. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan. See Sparky Fiverr with you. You know what the funny thing is, Sam? We did that whole Wendy's Big Show for four hours. We did, do you think the Bucks win game seven in Brooklyn? We did that twice. Never said. I never said not one time in that four-hour show what I thought. We did. If the Bucks win the series, do you think they win it all? I never answered that question either. Did I do it on purpose? Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. The reason I did it on purpose was because I'm trying to find the Bucks Kool-Aid that Rami's been drinking. I'm I'm really am. I'm trying to find it. And I did not want to make a prediction on the air one way or the other. Um, so I avoided making the prediction on the air. Gary and Leroy never caught it, so I escaped doing the Wendy's Big Show without having to make... Uh, oh, hold on a second. Oh, stop. I'll change it. Just hold on. Um, so I, I avoided uh, having to, to do that, and, and that was really nice, and I'm glad that they didn't realize that I did it. Oh, hold on a second. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, now it is. You went the whole Big Show without making a prediction? Did the topic twice. And, Did and, it at no, 11 and nobody, o'clock and 1 o'clock. See, that's why you guys need a Rami on that show. I mean, Rami's not coming back to that show, but you need a Rami on that show. Somebody who's going to hold your feet to the... Because they would do that all... Like, I would ask Gary or Leroy a question, and they would just go off on some tangent and yes. never answer the question. We had many tangents today. And then, I would, the and then when they got done, I would look at him and go, so are you going to answer the question now? Correct. You right. guys don't have that guy. Right, which benefits me greatly <laughs> you sometimes. Guys don't have that now, guy now, now. Sometimes, sometimes they won't let me get away with it because right. they they want me to say what yeah. they think I'm going to say. Yeah. In this situation, I never really had to say anything. I, I I will say this. I said before yesterday's game they were going to win last night. I was right. I said they're going to get blown out on Saturday. I I will say that I'm hosting the Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin post game show tonight, and tomorrow Tim Allen. Is hosting. Wait, uh, you're hosting Brewers Post tonight? Tonight I am. Okay. Yes. Tim is off. Right. Tim is hosting post game. I saw that special Bucks, Bucks post game, game tomorrow. Tomorrow night. Ooh. Not talking Brewers. Talking Bucks tomorrow night. So no. Is post that a mandate? Is he no. told don't talk Brewers? Yes. Okay. All right. Um. So he'll be talking Bucks tomorrow night after the Bucks game. Uh. And y'all wanted a post game show, so you get a special post game show. And Tim has been all over this Bucks team. Yes. When it was the has. when it was the Rami and Tim show, he was all about he is the totally Bucks, locked in. He is on this. Bucks he team. is on it. Don't think we're just throwing no. the Brewers guy on no, the no, Bucks no, no, post no. game. No, no, Tim has been locked into this Bucks. In team. strong feelings yes. on lots of yeah, things. Yeah, for sure. Concerned. Absolutely. <laughs> He's probably got some catching up to do. Yes. Since he hasn't been on, the, he hasn't been able to really yeah. go off about certain things. 
I will uh, simply say this. Drink the Kool-Aid, man. Drink Hell, it up. Just, see this see this mug right here? It's full, a Cobb's mug. I don't care about it. Full of Bucks Kool-Aid. Uh, it's a Cobb's it mug. Okay. I don't care about what the hell is in it. You see this water bottle right here? See this water bottle right here? That's better. This is R2-D2. Yeah. Full of full of Bucks Kool-Aid. What's in the other crappy Cubs one? It's also Bucks Kool-Aid. I'm double fist in Bucks Kool-Aid today, man. See, there's something wrong, karma-wise, mixing Bucks Kool-Aid in a Cubs cup. It's got, it's it doesn't. Got, it doesn't seem was, like that's was, something that should happen. See what it says right there? Champions. I'm giving you some of that good juju yeah, right there. See great. that? That's a 2016 World Series Champions mug right there. And, and I'm putting if, some good juju on it. You know what I almost wore today, but I knew you would give me a hard time for it? you see a lot of Packer it? fans walking around with 2011 Super Bowl champion I don't mugs? I damn what anybody Cubs. else is walking around with. You I know wonder what, if Packer fans are going You know what I almost wore? I saw it hanging in my closet. And I was like, that would be the perfect thing today. I want to, I want to put some good. Juju and you on have this admitted team. that you do troll guys in this building by wearing stuff on certain. But days. this wasn't to troll. But I, and you trolled Gary before. I mean, only during Packers uh, Bears uh, Week. Right. Only during Packers mm-hmm. Bears Week. When yeah. every day I wore an, right. adult, an article of Bears yeah. clothing. That was that was on that was intentional. Uh, but I almost wore it to, not not to troll anybody, but because I think it 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 it's what this Bucks team needs. It's the mentality that they need. I have a. Uh, I have a T-shirt. It's like a throwback T-shirt. You know those like caricature drawings. Yeah. I have a nineteen. Is it ninety-eight? Yeah, ninety-eight. When they did the six Pete uh, Bulls team photo caricature drawing T-shirt, and it's one of my favorite shirts. That's cool. In the world, I was gonna wear it today because I that's feel like cool. that's NBA championship mojo. Yeah. You know what I'm. But I knew if I wore, it, I actually I looked. I I had it in my hands, pulled it out of my closet, and I was like. Sparky's gonna give me crap for this. Put it right back in the closet. Put it right I mean, back. You wore in there. a Star Wars shirt. Wore a Star Wars shirt. It's a pretty yes. cool Star Wars shirt. This is the original poster. I this like is the it. original Star Wars poster. Yeah. Screen printed onto a shirt. I did not know that, but that's cool. Yeah. Thank you. Very cool. Appreciate it. Like the 1970s Star Wars people. Yeah. Not yeah. this modern crap. Young Luke and Leia. Uh, okay. Ooh. So I, I will try again to tell you what I think now. I uh, I'm confused. Do it. No, I'm very confused. Do it. I'm gonna tell you why I'm confused. Get them. Because. My brain before mm-hmm. that game last mm-hmm. night was all over. They're gonna mm-hmm. get blown out on Saturday. Mm-hmm. The problem I have is that's not happening, Sam. Just have Rami do it. I'll make it up. Don't worry yeah. about it. Um, the problem I have is this: my heart got involved last night watching this team, and and that's where you know you really get kind of screwed up here making a prediction. You can't allow your heart into making a prediction. Your brain should be the one making a prediction at the end of the can day. I, can I give you if something you for your brain? If you allow your heart to make a prediction, you know you end up making a fool out of yourself more times than can not I, at a bar. Can I give you some some food for thought? A little something for your brain before before you before you make your final prediction. I haven't made a prediction. Okay. Man, it's final. But well, go ahead. You're going to before we start the round. Yeah. I'm not Gary and Laura. I ain't letting you right. off the hook. You you trust Eric's name, right? I love me some Eric name. He's got pretty high basketball intellect, does he not? Good basketball IQ on that kid. He's also a Bucks fan. Okay. Huge. But these are facts. Bucks fan. This was an Eric Names article post game last night. Yeah. Went up early Athletic. this morning. While the Bucks have played nowhere near and I hadn't thought of this until I read it in Eric Names article. Mm. While the Bucks have played nowhere near their best basketball in their series in this series, Atentacumpo does have a point about the last four games of the series. Excluding their second half collapse in game five, the Bucs have outplayed the Nets four straight games. It hasn't been pretty, but it is hard to argue. The Bucs have scored just 104.7 points per 100 possessions in those games, but they have only allowed 98.2 points per 100 possessions for a plus 6.5 net rating. Whether because of the Nets' injuries or the Bucks' improved play, the Bucks have been the better team for the last week. Yeah, that's great. And that's true. That's facts. That that's has great. nothing to do with their name being a, a fan. All right. That has nothing to do with my Kool-Aid. That has nothing to do Those with any numbers. of that. Numbers are good. Those are facts. Those are great numbers. Facts. And you like numbers. Facts, Jack. So, let me ask you something using your brain mm-hmm. instead of numbers. This is a close game in the last minute or so. Who do you trust, Durant and Harden or Middleton and Giannis? Um... I trust Middleton more than I do Harden. I trust Kevin Durant more than I do anybody in that group. All right. Th- that, and I don't know if I agree with you on everything you said, but Durant's definitely the best player. That I agree with you on. That's where I'm concerned. I'm concerned about end-of-game scenario with a raucous crowd in Brooklyn where this team goes ISO, 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 like they always it. do. Well, it can't happen. You may say that, but it's happened more than once now. I know. I know. And this team... Say whatever they you want. They will lose if that this happens. Team, they will lose if that happens. This team 
feels like a team that panics in big situations. Maybe it's part of the process of winning a championship in two or three years or whatever, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe they break through the wall of not panicking tomorrow night and bust through and then go win a title by beating Brooklyn tomorrow night. By the way, I didn't get to answer that question either. Gary and Leroy did. The Bucs win the series. Do you think they win it all? Yes, I did. Sam, put that at. We're going to do that at four since they didn't do it. Right. We're going to steal the, the. No, we did it. I never answered oh, that one either. You never answered that question either? No, I only Jeez, answered the man. first one that we did all day. Um, so, do you think they win it all? Yes, I think they win it all if they win tomorrow night. So, you can put me down for that, my prediction there, because I said it before the series started. Whoever wins the series, Nets or Bucks, win the title. Not changing. I still believe they're the two best teams, even with injuries. Plus, if Kyrie comes back for the Nets. In the next round or by the NBA Finals, then they're even better. So I'll stay there. They win the title if they win tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I can't get past end-of-game scenario with this Bucks team looking at KD and Harden and Middleton and Giannis and going, okay, so you're telling me these guys are going to miss, those guys are going to make it, those guys are going to be able to get shots for themselves, they being the Bucks, and it's going to have to be on a set play. Like, I, I don't. Yeah, you'll be able to drive by Middleton, by by Harden, I guess, on on that side of the floor if Harden's on you. But even when Harden's on somebody, they still don't go at him half the time. But you know they what? They did more last night. You know what night. you're discounting? They did and, more last and dismissing night. is that they went by ten or twelve the Bucks, and no, then no. it doesn't matter. And then I'm I'm happy. Even like last night, that game was over four minutes to go. Great. Even in Game Five where they lost, in in late and close games in this series, the Bucks have come up with stops. And the Nets, the Nets have not. The Bucks have just missed shots at the end correct. of games, which that doesn't That's that doesn't do a correct. lot. That doesn't do a lot to help your confidence. But I'm saying that the Bucks defensively have made some some big stops, including in that ridiculous Kevin Durant game. They they forced two misses sure by him in the last couple minutes of that game. Yep. And and the Bucks then just crumbled under the pressure when they got the ball under their hands and went Thank down you. to the other side of the court. That's my that's my concern here. So for me. I, I am still struggling. I, I'm still going to. You're, you're right. I have more faith in the Nets to make the shot at the end of the game when they need it. But so then it's, I also have more faith in the Bucks to stop the shot at the end of the game when they need it. So then the other part of this is, okay, so if I'm scared of that, do I think they can beat the Nets by 8, 10, 12, so where it's not going to matter at the end of a game, and it's not going to be close? Do I think that can happen? On the road? In this series, they were already doing it. They were up by 17 in game five, Sparky. I understand. And they blew it in Brooklyn. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I just don't know if they can win by 10 or 12 with a couple minutes to go in the game and it'd be over. I just don't know if they can hold it. So that concerns me. What is your prediction? Dude? I'll tell you something else You're that concerns around me. around a lot here. I'm telling you a lot of concerns that I've got. Hit Bucks lost. Are you going to say Bucks win in seven and hit Bucks lost for me? No. Oh. And I'm concerned about Joe Harris because that dude can't hit a broadside of a barn right now. I mean, he finally hit a shot, a shot, finally, last night. If that dude feels it, more trouble. Now, to that point, Forbes hasn't had that five or six three-point game yet either. He hasn't been going crazy. So, all right, Miami Show coming up. No, 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 no. What is your prediction? Do the Bucks win Game 7 tomorrow in Brooklyn? Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. No. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 